0: Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group and car selling secrets with Andy Brandt Bernard, Tom Bernard. I get
1: to introduce myself for the first time. I know, ever. isn't
0: that cool? I like it. And our special guest, uh, State Representative Pat Garofalo. Ooh, I like that State Representative. We got a lot to talk about after these exciting announcements. We'll be right back <laughs> after these exciting.
1: Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets.
0: All right, we are back with uh, State Representative Pat Garofalo. Pat, uh, it's kind of a tradition. i got a lot of questions for you. First of all, f- Italian last name, Irish first name a Tesla-driving Republican. You must have some major identity crisis.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, non-traditional self-identified conservative and slash Irishman slash Republican, yeah, or uh, Italian. That's how it works. It's
0: kind of a tradition on the show that we have our guests tell the story about the very first car that they owned. And if it's a crappy story, people just make up really cool ones.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess my first car uh, my parents gave me was a 1978 Chevy Malibu. Uh, it was blue, but more rust than blue in color. And I think the most notable thing about the year and a half to year, two years I drove it is that you know, I'd lost my virginity in the front seat of it. That's about it. There's really that's nothing.
0: That's pretty acrobatic because the wheel's in the way. Most of us take the trip uh-huh. to the back seat.
2: Well, we were in the passenger seat. So oh, okay. it was, you know, but it was, uh, no, I mean, it was a good was first it a car.
0: Human or farm animal? Sorry.
2: Well, the gloves come off that's early. That's right. Yeah, yeah really, uh, the gloves are really off nice yeah. for 45 seconds. <laughs> so, no, the, uh, so that was my first car. I mean, I guess, you know, I started school when i was 4 so when i actually started my junior year of high school i was 15
0: oh okay hmm. so
2: you know the day i turned 16 i went up and took the driver's license test got my license you know passed and then uh that first day i was driving my car i was driving with some buddies and one thing led to another and i skidded into someone's yard and bounced the front of it off the corner of a garage of somebody's house Whoops. like actually yeah so you can imagine how that phone call with the dad went that was uh yeah. that was uh, pretty interesting but no it was a you know nothing really particularly exciting. Rear-wheel drive. Uh, at the end of it, it was burning so much oil that the extra drain oil my dad had from oil changes we would just pour into the car <laughs>
3: to get well, It
2: was going through about a quart every 100 miles. Basically a type
3: so, of gasoline, right?
0: I yeah. think that's, and that's such a universal story. Almost everybody's First car, there's a technical term for it in the car business. We call it rolling pieces of shit, uh, <laughs> okay. well, or RPS okay. for short. RPS. You know, if you if it's a family situation. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, and Pat's got a connection with a KQ morning show that he just started to tell the story. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 hey, wait, this is too good for just talking amongst the guys, so. Uh, share the rest, of, or share the whole story with us, Pat, if you don't mind. Well, this first, is re- ruining your career, by the no, way. No,
2: first, first of all, let's realize this took place in 1996. So Pat Garofalo in 1996, vastly different than the Pat Garofalo of 2020. So uh, back then I was, uh, I graduated from Mankato State, did my internship with the robbery and homicide division of the Minneapolis Police Department. Had you got one, this from Bob. Right. Yeah, so the uh, so I had wanted to be a police officer my whole life, went up to Minneapolis, did that stint up there, and quickly decided that there was no way in hell I wanted to be a cop anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then uh, uh, I was working security out at Mystic Lake. I was on the graveyard shift. Oops. Uh, yeah, working. <laughs> uh, I was eleven to seven, and uh, you know, pretty much just frustrated, fed up, and of course, you know, I would. Uh, At the end of my shift, I would always listen to the KQ Morning Show and hear people calling in, telling good stories. So in my infinite wisdom, I thought it'd be a good idea to call in and tell a... Somewhat disparaging and embarrassing story about a couple of customers and one of the things that had happened at Mystic Lake when they were in the bathroom and drinking ar- alcohol and commenting on each other. Well, as you would imagine, the entire management shift was driving into work at that time, of course, listening mm-hmm. listening to Tommy B. <laughs> and, uh, so I was uh, – Uh, suspended by lunchtime and fired by dinnertime. So that was... uh, Thanks, Tom. (laughs) It was was funny because... uh, Of course, this is years ago, so you guys aren't going to remember this, but like six or seven months later, I call back in. And I'm like, yeah, this is Pat from Farmington. I had called in. I had gotten fired before. And they're like, like, I just want to let you know, everything worked out great. I got a better job closer to home. I was making more money. It was great. And I I think it was Stretch who said, where are you calling us from right now? And I said, "Well, I'm at work." He's like, "Oh, so you uh, you clearly learned from your lesson the first time." <laughs>
1: yeah, you <laughs> so, learned a great so, lesson. Yeah, you you got to keep up, that so.
3: identifying information to a minimum yeah. when you're going to do that. Yeah. So that was, uh, but
2: again, that was many, many years ago. A much less responsible Pat Garofalo, and uh, so
3: it's just... it was funny though.
2: Yeah, it <laughs> was <laughs> funny.
3: That's the good thing. It's
2: hilarious how goddamn stupid I used <laughs> that, to
3: be. Yeah. Well, you and everybody else. I was actually yep. going to ask a related question to your story. So you, you're both dads, are you a dad? Yes. You're a dad. When your, namely your son, starts driving, do you just expect to get the call that they wrecked the car, and then when they don't, it's like a nice surprise? So I... Or is it like a denial I thing? I have two step sons and
0: a biological son, and uh, my bio son had had his license for about four months, and got rear-ended on Pilot Knob Road at a stoplight by a KQ listener, of course, uh, who looks at his license, and says, "Who's your dad, <laughs> 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 Oh My God. God! The kids
3: hate that. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah? Sure well, i sure you that. I
0: um, remember. But yeah. this is the modern era, so I don't get a phone call. I get the text. Dad, got in an accident. Me and Ellie are okay. Got the guy's info. Talk to you later. I'm like. Some things require a phone call. Cars, I'll talk that, to yeah. you later. Actually did a good job. He took a picture of the guy's insurance card and hmm. settled up. And really? Half of Wes's car looks brand new because they had to fix it and cover up the hail damage, and the other half looks like a 07 Honda that's a hmm. kid's first car. No. Pat, I, I, we've got to talk some serious stuff. And s- let me know Here if I've go. got this right, and it has to do with budgeting. And this came out in uh, press conferences in the last couple of days. Oh, see if I've got my <laughs> see if I've got my facts <laughs> straight. So we had a projected surplus of 1.5 billion dollars. I have some friends that think that the state that had that in the TCF free checking account. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's actually money that we were anticipating on collecting right. through sales right. tax, so on right. and so forth. Right. And now it's a 2.5 million dollar short, billion dollar shortfall. And then there's also about that much money in the rainy day fund, from what I understand, but. The people that I'm listening to, mainly the governor and some other people have commented, said, you know, if things get worse, we don't want to blow all that money just to make up the balance. But right. under our Minnesota Constitution, we can't do deficits, right? And we'd have to have the balanced budget mm. by, is it July of next year?
2: Right. So Minnesota has a 24-month fiscal cycle. It okay. started on July 1st of, this, of last year and will run until June 30th of 2021. And so, and you're right, we make estimates on what we're gonna take in in tax collections, what we're gonna spend. And so a couple months ago, things were looking pretty decent, right? Well, obviously the world has completely changed in the last couple of months. Yeah. And so in defense of the economists who make mm-hmm. these forecasts, they uh, they did an update. And candidly, it's just an educated guess, right? Because right? The, yeah. re- the real big factors right now, You know, when is a vaccine developed, when is it deployed, Mm -hmm. Uh, what therapies are developed to limit hospital stays or, you know, limit contagiousness. How does the public respond to this? Is there a new president in November? All that stuff. They're making educated assumptions.
0: And From what I understand, and I'm a car salesman, I don't have any medical expertise, but it sounds like they don't even know if you can get reinfected or not at this point um well
2: you cannot you don't get reinfected but if it mutates oh, okay and yeah. then you get another right. strain and so i mean the difficulty is of course all these things are totally up in the air right right mm-hmm. i have no i can tell you that right now as of today minnesota has a state unemployment rate over 25 percent mm-hmm. which is just i mean it just defies description how right. bad it is yeah. um, but consumer confidence is a is a fickle thing right i mean once you lose confidence does it rebound quickly does it take time to rebuild when you know, when do people feel comfortable going to a Vikings or Twins game
1: yeah
2: you know and so that, that sort of stuff you get into behavioral sciences and it's difficult to modif- to to model I can just tell you right now that I mean things suck Right and well, the, thanks
0: for that. Uh, yeah, hey, thanks for stopping by, Pat. Appreciate that I'm, I'm gonna take a note. <laughs> but it's a, no, it's a. Uh, can't thank you for your, all your time.
2: Yeah, so I mean, but that's so that's where we're at right now. Um, the federal government has passed some assistance. Uh, we have the budget reserve available to us, but you know, where you know where we're at in two months could be radically different, just like we were two months ago. But it's um, it's pretty it's pretty tough, and it looks pretty grim
0: for a while. So the stuff that I've heard, and maybe you can. Verify because you know I, I don't really trust much of the stuff that I read, but it's always nice to talk to the people that are involved. The Wall said that if you cut all the state employees, it would represent about seven percent of the state budget. Yeah. I mean, Somebody else told me that about fifty percent of the state budget is education. Well, so those are
2: partially true. Okay. Right. So they're, they're technically true. We're talking about what's called the general fund budget in Minnesota. So there's lots of areas of spending that are outside the general fund. So, for example, when you pay gas taxes or license tabs, that goes into a separate fund that we're not talking about.
0: Right, because that gas tax can only be used for road and Correct, right? mm-hmm.
2: correct. And then you've got what's called the health care access fund, which is a separate fund. So when we're talking about the general fund here, just realize it'd be like, if we were talking about how much money you got and we're just talking about your checking account, like we're not talking about your savings account or what no. used to be in your okay. 401k or something like that. So um, so K-12 education is about 40%, and I'm you know estimating here. Yep. So that is that the vast majority of those expenditures go to salary and benefits for education employees, okay. right? Teachers, administrators, principals. Uh, so the governor is correct when he says that state employees are 7%, but realize the vast the overwhelming majority of the money we spend in the state of Minnesota goes towards paying salary and benefits to university employees, K-12 you know, education employees, state employees. So there is some truth in what he's saying, but it does leave people with the false impression that somehow we're spending the money on road salt or something.
3: If people don't realize how much money America spends on education. Oh yeah. There's always this uh, con- the, this uh, conception that. America is like, you know, one of the lowest spenders of education in the world when actually we're among the highest. Oh, but it's not enough. No. Yeah, it's never enough. <laughs> never enough. That's, no.
2: that's, that's one of the fun questions we get to have at the capitals. You ask, they say, well, you just got to fully fund education. Mm-hmm. And you just ask them, well, how much?
3: Yeah, if Japan and Korea can do so great with less money, then yeah, that's, that's always no. the question, isn't it?
2: No, it's so... So regardless of, you know, there's always going to be unmet needs, right? There's always a healthcare funding crisis, an education funding well, crisis, yeah, a course. mass transit funding crisis, whatever. But at the end of the day, the private sector economy is what finances government, and it's in yep. a serious state of contraction right now. Oh, yeah.
3: What ballpark, what percentage of this state's income would you say is just from things like sales tax, luxury tax, corporate tax?
2: Ah oh, well again we're talking about the general fund yes. and the general fund the three largest revenue sources are income tax sales tax and corporate income taxes oh, there you go, and yeah. so the most re- the, the revised budget update they provided this week projected that over the next 14 months <coughs> that's what's left in the budget cycle that you're going to see
3: of uh, reduction of just short, like I said, about three and a half billion dollars of well, revenue. So it's um, which happens to coincide with the difference between the projected surplus and the projected deficit.
2: Right. Well. Mm. So well, there's and so keep in mind too that we are now going to be paying the price for just some decisions that were made in the past. Right. Uh, back in 2013 and 14, when Mark Dayton was governor and he had the Democrats in total control they made the decision to raise taxes on the wealthy and put more of the tax burden onto a smaller and smaller number of Mm -hmm. people. And so what that did was it made our tax code much more volatile. Uh, The joke I like to say is that uh, our tax code, you want to have it resemble a Walter Cronkite. And after that change was made, it made us resemble more like Charlie Sheen, right? That's what the tax code looks <laughs> yeah. like. Oh, God, just, in ter- yeah, just in terms of the volatility. I'm aware, yeah. And so when the stock market's going up and the small select of wealthy people are making money, then your state budget's cool. Mm-hmm. But when you have the stock market tank 20% and you start Boy. having people, uh, for various reasons, decide they've had enough of Minnesota and moving to Florida yep. and other tax havens you got a big problem. And so whatever financial consequences are happening as a result of this, this is just putting accelerant on the fire, and that's a direct result of those tax changes that were made in 2013 and 2014. And it's going to, mean there's, again, I, I appreciate the fact that I'm a real fun guy to hang out with today, but uh, it, it's going to hurt. There's just no way around it, and we just have to be big boys and big girls and be straight with people instead of trying to sugarcoat it.
0: Pat, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after a couple of announcements for more fun with
1: with the click of a button, without the hassle of a middleman. What's the answer, Michael?
0: The X-Check app, brought to you by your local community bank. It's safe, secure, and simple to use. The X-Check app, simply add a new contact by entering their name, phone number, and email into the app. Enter a dollar amount, and then initiate the transfer. To accept the payment, The contact simply enters their bank information through a secure link sent via text or email.
1: XCheck, safe and simple from my banker, North American Banking Company. A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. in 2020, and let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic.
3: LASIK results may vary. Talk to your
2: Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential.
1: And actually, segue, we we're just talking about living in Manhattan being the, uh, for the young and the wealthy and colorblind. Uh, Kath and I sat down in the last couple of days, and if nothing changes, in other words, if it doesn't get worse, because it could get worse, but if it doesn't get worse, Catherine and I are going to lose between 25 and 33% of our y- income this year.
3: Hmm. If
1: nothing changes, because we invested in things like, you know, we had in several restaurants, things oh, like that.
3: Oh, yeah, all those restaurants. Now,
1: we're already going to lose that amount of money, but if we have to close some, then we're really going to take a hit. Yeah. So I don't know what that's all about. And, and, and you know, I sit and watch television and watch all these people in Sweden having a goddamn ball, <laughs> and, and we're going... Oh, there's nothing, no checks in the mail, honey. I don't know what to tell. Yeah,
2: you. <laughs> yeah the frustrating thing for me I guess you know is that I do, I do you know there's a solution to this stuff and all the options are bad, right? They're really challenging. yeah yep. but one of the things we can do is we can tap into the creativity, the talent and the innovation of Minnesotans to help us pull through this and I'll give you an example. I spoke with a restaurant owner earlier this week and they've worked with their local city. And what they're going to do when they get the green light is they're going to block off part of their parking lot. And they're going to bring tables outside when the mm, weather's nice. Good idea. So they can practice social distancing, but yep. they can still have the sit-down dining experience. And for those who work in the industry, they know that, you know, their best margins are on things like beer and mixed drinks. Right. So it gets that sit-down experience so you kind of have the benefit okay. of both policies. But the problem we have right now is that we're not doing that. We just have one dude making all the decisions. I, I know. It's a this, big mistake. And it's a – just try to explain to people over and over it's not a partisan thing I don't care if it's if it's a Democrat or a Republican but at the end of the day when you have one person making all the decisions you're just not gonna have the flexibility you get in a free market system right Right. and so so what's happening right now is we have this stupid system where at the airport right now some of the bars and some of the restaurants are open Mm -hmm. at the airport
0: really Oh yep. yeah, yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! So oh, we can go out to dinner. I mean, che- flights are cheap. We don't even have to <laughs> take them. They just fly out. That's true. Thirty-nine bucks to Chicago what get it? you into. Right. uh Well, right. oh, they closed Dikes. But how is that people. possible?
1: Why did they do that?
0: Well,
2: because one dude's making the decision, and what oh, happens God. is, as you know, if imagine Tom, you were making all the decisions for the entire state of Minnesota, you might have a t- couple people trying to get a hold of you, right? Well, you're going to make your decisions based off the information you have.
1: Why and, is it that when you said that, the first thing I thought was? Get out! <laughs> <Why was it? laughs> Everyone but me out. out of the states.
3: <laughs> exactly. I get live out. here now. So, Sorry about that.
2: No, no, but it's it's frustrating because you know every chief executive has a strength or a weakness, right? right? Walls is right. strength, so that he served in the National Guard. He's you know he's motivated kids as a high school football mm-hmm. coach. Those are good things.
0: And compared to our previous governor, he's a pretty good oh. communicator. <laughs>
2: can you can you imagine? Can you imagine if this would have happened three years ago?
1: Oh,
0: God. Oh, Oh, man.
1: (laughs) So
2: so those are Walls' strengths, but one of his weaknesses is when's the last time he had a private sector job? Right? And so, has it get, ever happened? Well, I don't, you know, it's been a while. So, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah, I and mean, again, exactly. it's, not a, it's not a personal attack. It's just getting people no. to understand that you want a broad array of opinions, solutions going, mm-hmm. going in place. And mm-hmm. right now in Minnesota, we have a higher per capita death rate than all our neighboring states. We have uh, a higher percentage of our labor force applying for unemployment compensation than all the neighboring states.
0: Well, that's because we're more literate. Yeah, yes, <laughs> like, that's it. Like, Sorry, at, Iowa listeners. Yeah, at, at a very minimum,
2: though, like, okay, you want to single out the metro area and say it's different? Why don't these rural counties in Minnesota, why don't we have them operate off our different yeah. a different schedule than this right. one-size-fits-all approach <clears throat> love that it. is just killing the private sector? And, you know, to your point of, like, you know, restaurants and stuff, um, it, it's a bad situation no matter what. But can we at least get the government to not make things worse? And that's what's going on right now. So, so what do you
0: think is going to happen on the eight Is the eighteenth the next end of the stay-home deal, or?
2: Um, I think it's next. What's well, next Wednesday? Is when, I'm trying to remember the exact date. Because
0: something I think, interesting no. happened, and I don't. I'm not a candy aficionado, 30. but apparently we have the world's largest candy store somewhere in Minnesota. Yes, we do. And, yeah. they, went and Jordan. they went and said, well, okay, we're going to open up Monday. Southwest,
3: I and think? And then the, uh, yeah, the Jordan, governor and the government
0: got together and said, okay, you can open up, but you have to do this. And they went, okay, cool. So it's, it's like the pressure is starting to build, and I think it, it just feels like things are going to change. I don't know if you right. share that opinion. I'm just curious what you think.
2: Oh, well, first of all, in the real world, there are huge portions of the state of Minnesota where there is no stay-at-home order. Right.
3: right. Mean, let, let's just right. be honest yeah. about that. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly uh, if you're a right. farmer who lives three miles well, from his nearest neighbor, it's like North y- Minneapolis.
1: <laughs> that Well, in My old neighborhood, they're yeah. all hanging out together, I can guarantee you that. There's some
2: great parties going on in Monticello, I can tell you that right now. But the, uh, if you take a look at that dynamic, right, mm-hmm. of that behavior, I mean, you see a lot of politicians on TV, and I notice not many of them have long hair. Mm-hmm. It's been eight weeks since yeah, you week.
1: Yeah, I mean, Albert so, Einstein. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like,
0: I can almost do a man-bun. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah I saw my God. wife off in the end. Put a clothespin on the top, like, as
1: get away from me.
2: As, as it should. As it absolutely <laughs> yeah, should. Yeah, she
1: should, absolutely.
2: But, you know, and that's the frustration. And, again, we have a, a difficult situation, and it's so easy to second-guess people. But when you have these hair salons that are, you know, they're not heavily capitalized. They don't have huge amounts of reserves. Oh, God. And why are they shut down? Instead, the state should be giving them performance targets that say, listen, you got to practice social distancing. You got to do this for your customers in terms of masks and waiting rooms outside. And then you figure out the best solution so that you can provide these services. Because right now, what's happening? There's an underground economy of people cutting hair. Yeah. Let's just be honest. There's
1: no about doubt it. about it.
2: Right. And so it seems, you know, it seems pretty hypocritical when you see elected officials getting on TV with their neatly trimmed hair uh, telling people that, oh, no, we can't keep the hair salons or barbershops open anymore.
1: Well, it's the flow bee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All. Attach it <laughs> to your vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> the flow
0: <will> be. <laughs> what pothead out of that?
1: You know, one thing I, I don't <laughs> be you great think. For like a no, dog, but <laughs> this is a, this is for you, Pat, directly. Don't you think that when they do start opening restaurants, they should open the Italian places first? Oh, absolutely. Right. See, that's, that's all I need. Mean. <laughs> Barla I mean,
0: Grassa or... Marla Grassa
1: and then everybody else... Or the Olive fall Garden. Online. Everybody else... Uh, <laughs> the
2: Olive Garden. Cassetta's needs to be open in St. Paul. Cassetta I needs... To be open. Oh, Louis. I love Louis. Cons- Louis is awesome. I consider love Mancini's... I consider uh, Mancini's to be an Italian restaurant this yes. week, you know, because it's yes. heritage of my, my fam my dad grew up on west 7th street down by there oh so, did he
0: really yeah. i got a phenomenal. great nick mancini story nick was the guy that started the restaurant back in what, the
2: 50s my grandpa grew up with nick mancini so it's, really yeah it's, and nick
0: you know if, if they needed somebody for a mob scene he would have fit right in because absolutely just the way, but he was there seven days a week 12 hours a day yep. talked to everybody had the white bucks and I was in the bar. This is like a Tuesday at seven o'clock. It's kind of quiet. And at the end of the bar, there's a guy and he's passed out. He's sleeping. Nick walks in and he goes, uh, buy everybody at uh, the bar a drink on me. And the guy who's passed out comes and looks at him and he goes, Nick. Thanks. And he leans over and throws up all over his shoes. <laughs>
2: oh. And Nick stood there like, what the? Mm. <laughs> so I, can I share a Nick Mancini story? Of course Love you can. it. So 1987, uh, I'm about 16 years old, and the twins are in the World Series, right? Game seven's coming up, and my brother and I are talking about how awesome it would be to go to Game 7 of the World Series. And my dad's like, oh, you guys want to go to Game 7? We're like, dad? Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so my dad picks up the phone. He calls Nick Mancini. This is the day before Game 7 of the World God. Series. Hey, Nick. it's My dad's name is Pat as well. Nick, this is Pat Garofalo. Hey, I, I know it's late. Can I ask you a favor? My kids really want to go to this uh, World Series game tomorrow. How many do you need, Pat? Um, well, four. You come down here, there'll be four tickets waiting for you. Don't worry about God. it. Jesus, that's amazing. My dad gets in the car. We drive drives down from Lakeville, or drives up from Lakeville to St. Paul, goes there. There's four tickets to Game 7. I mean unbelievable yeah and my grandpa like my grandpa grew up with nick mancini so i have a a different perspective but like i when things open up it's just really important that everyone listening goes out to these local restaurants oh, yeah. and you know buys drinks tips generously because uh, it's huge yeah we just we need these places to stick around or else we're also just we're gonna have like seven chain restaurants that we're gonna be able to eat from right and that's just gonna that's not what we want i gotta
1: tell you quickly nice Nice Italian story. you ever watch the show Tacoma FD? It's about the Tacoma Fire Department. It's written by the same guys who did Super Troopers. Okay. And the lead guys in it are Italian guys, right? So they all go out to dinner. And so we start with Doug and then go to you and then me. As they go around the table, it gets more and more street Italian. <laughs> like this first person goes, uh, can we get some bruschetta? And they go, it's bruschetta. It's not pronounced bruschetta. It's pronounced bruschetta, right? So they get around then it's like... Uh, uh, I would like uh, the Bolognese uh, the Bolognese sounds really good yeah. they go around the table and finally it's like Gabagool everybody <laughs> want a Gabagool Fuck, oh, god it's hilarious it gets more and more Italian as they go around oh, the table
2: that's why it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult for me to get offended by these Italian stereotypes because they're all true <laughs> <laughs> you ever, you
1: ever
3: have dinner with Italians Pretty it's much. the
2: loudest thing you've ever yeah. heard
1: oh
3: it's phenomenal one <laughs> of my love. favorite uh, family guy jokes that they've had there was a sleeper agent whose uh, act, the activation phrase was, it's something that you'd never hear in real life because otherwise they could get activated early. So it was, gee, that Italian family at the other table sure is quiet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty funny.
1: Louis Nanny has a story. You know, Louis takes his whole family on these trips. At least he used to. I don't know if he still does. But they were in France. Mm hmm. And, of course, the nanny family, when they eat dinner, they're going to make some noise. Please it's just it's going to be very noisy. <laughs> so the server comes over and goes, you know, I, I hate to say this, but we're not in America today. And, I, you know, I know you can make that kind of noise in, in the United States of America. But you Americans get really loud. We don't really go for that in France. Some of our other customers are getting upset. So, look, I know in America it's fine, uh, but could you not do it here? Could you quiet down a little bit? And Louie goes, "We're not American. We're from Canada." The guy goes, "That's even worse." <laughs> <laughs> the greatest of all time. Uh, the guy just turns on him completely. You know,
2: Lou Nanny is such a great guy. And oh, I, he I, is. I a great guy. I think your guys' stories, but this is. Oh no! This is what so, the show's all about. Yeah, when I was in high school, I worked at the Old Met Center picking up trash after events and back then you know if they had tickets they would they would let us have free tickets to the North Stars this is back in the late 80s when things were not so good yeah Um, but what we would do is sometimes we could get uh, uh, tickets to other events so the uh, pro wrestling crew was in town well me and my brother get the free tickets we show up and then we decided to go sit down in the penalty box because you know they cover up the ice so we could sit really close to the stage um, and be you know right yeah, there. We're sure. not we're not supposed to be there. But you know, you're sixteen. <laughs> but you're sixteen. So why not? You're an employee badge. <laughs> well then, Lou Nanny shows up with his crew, and they're going to sit there. Oh and I, yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. You know. So like we start. You know, kind of trying to slither out, sneak out, and Lou is like, "No, no, no! You can stay here. It's all right. Don't worry about yeah. it." You know, here I'm a teenager. I'm scared shitless, and you know, I'm sorry. I should probably clean up my mouth. No, that's, no that's I, fine.
1: I'm sorry. Fine. The, um, it's fine. yeah digital,
2: but no, just just I, I remember thinking like, just how great that was. Just very gracious. You know, he's always ne- n- been that way. Yeah, never better than anyone else or anything like that. Just kind of want you know someone else, and just really a a Minnesota institution. We need more of that, not less.
1: We uh, so to kind of. Uh, this will make you feel better, because I'm sitting with uh, Jack Eugster Used to run Musicland back in the day, and he has lovely wife. were at a dinner, and this is when Louis was, the, you know, the president of the North Stars. We're up in the owners' box having dinner with him, and we go out and watch it. And Louis sitting uh, furthest left, and then she's in the middle, and then I'm to the right of her. And Louis leaning over, looking and talking to us, but I can see he's glancing over constantly to see where the puck is.
2: <laughs> he wants to know
1: like this, and at one point, I got to tell you the upfront what happened and then what he did. Uh, uh, game on the line, shots taken, hits the pipe. They miss the goal, right? So Louis, this whole time, though, so they're skating this way, and Louis is looking at her. Now this is the chairman of the board of Musicland Corporation's wife, and Louis goes. So are you having a good time? I mean, it's it's a pretty terrific avenue. you. Fuck. <laughs>
3: It's
1: Louie. And she didn't know why he did it.
3: She's like, what?
1: <laughs> One of the greats of all time, yes, Louie Nanny.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. Love Louie. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back for the final segment of Car Selling Secrets with Pat Carofalo and more swearing people. Yeah.
1: More swearing people, I love
0: we're back with state representative pat garofalo uh we talked politics for a little while but we just devolved into a really cool depressing. story about famous people so don't yeah. you think
1: it's too depressing to talk about COVID? I I mean, mean, you've got to I take did. care of the business i am but.
0: interested in the whole budgeting thing because i wanted to make sure that i had that right and because it, it, it's something that we're going to have to deal with and, we are and it, yep. i think it will right. depend on it's you true. know how quickly or slowly the state opens and what the rebound looks like is it quick hmm. or is it slow and okay. the car side it's weird yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, our business dropped off 65% the day after St. Patrick's Day. Really? But now it's only down about 20 That's funny. The odd thing is, we're looking, it's because of Tom, 20, advertising 20, on KQRS. 20, 20. <laughs> uh, we have an exclusive uh, David Luther, so pound sand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the weird thing that's happening because the plants are shut down, we're, we're starting to run out of cars in about um, another 45 days. It, and, and it's not complete but it's like holy crap right because the plants are loosely scheduled to start out third week of may but you know everything has to work right the the the, uh, general motors doesn't build all the parts that goes into a general motors car those come from separate suppliers and now if covid hits one of those plants like it has some in the meatpacking plants and they have to shut down yeah so we're looking at people are willing to spend money on some really great (laughs) deals uh but we might be short of product i mean it's just is not for the faint of heart, but let's get to Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. Frank yeah. Sinatra. So,
2: um, so, again, in high school, uh, I worked out at Met Center. We would pick up, uh, you start there, you pick up trash after hockey games and concerts. Once you work there a while, they let you be like a substitute usher for concerts. Sure. You know, you could wear the yellow shirt, and then uh, you do things like set up the <coughs> set up the infrastructure for, for stages, not the actual stage itself, but right. the fold-out chairs on the main floor, things like that. And this would have been probably '88 or '89. Uh, we're on the main floor, and Met Center used to have those goofy colored chairs. And they gr- each one. It was, they set it up that way so they're you like
0: couldn't green tell. Green and gold, right? No, they're, they're white. The, some were white, gold, green, yeah. yellow, gold, yep. and
2: they did that so you couldn't tell if the crowd was empty or not. Is why it was designed oh. that way. Uh, uh, yeah. So the fold-out chairs were all that way. But when Frank was in town, you know, when the chairman of the board is there, they have us go through all the chairs and pull out just the white ones. <laughs> and then, yeah and then put them up and then you got to clean each one because you to know, get people wearing their sunday best to see sinatra right um back then there was a restaurant up on the upper deck called the observatory club sure yep okay. and so we we're wrapping up our shift putting this stuff down and a gentleman walks up and our manager calls us all over and we're all like high school kids stuff like that and he goes uh just so you know mr sinatra was up in the observatory club he saw you guys working very hard and uh, he would like to invite you as his guest to attend uh, this evening's performance.
1: Jesus,
2: oh, crap. right? Okay, I'm an idiot. I'm like 16, 17. I'm like, well, I gotta get home. You know, I'm not <laughs> gonna be here. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, long story short, a good friend of mine in high school named Gary. Uh, I won't give his last name. I don't have permission, but he stuck around. Right? Sees the show, and there was kind of an under, like a concourse that was non-public that went underneath the walking right? concourse. Yeah. And he was at the west end of the building. And what happens is, you know, Sinatra does his, his finale. It's my way. He walks out. He gets in a golf cart. They whip him over to his limousine that's waiting. He gets in the limo and he's out of that building before the lights turn on. Yeah. Right? Right. So my friend Gary is there. He's standing next to the limo. And here comes Sinatra. Pulls up. He takes one step towards him. And all of a sudden, the Goomba, you know, the big oh, guard yeah. Oh, yeah, grabs him, stops him. <laughs> and my friend Gary. Looks at the guard. The guard looks at Sinatra, and Sinatra just nods his head. And my friend says, uh, "Mr. Sinatra, I saw the show. It was a great show." Sinatra reached over, shook his hand, and said, "Thanks, son." Got in the limo and left. My friend wow. Gary literally shook Sinatra's hand. <laughs> right. I I could have I, I that could have been me. And I'm at home playing video games. Hell you know, yeah. I didn't have any idea. Right, yeah. I just it was uh but you know just again a total class act the chairman of the board how great is that isn't that awesome it i mean that would have been a wonderful
1: story yeah so See, that's what this show is all about is that people are not going to hear these stories anywhere else oh i love that about this show.
2: <laughs> there's back in met center working there there are so many crazy stories i remember once i was working the uh charlie daniels concert and they they would pull so many bottles of booze off people. That they would they'd have to change out the garbage cans there, was that and, for like
1: country acts mostly, oh yeah, but because it was country just,
2: you know, acts, <laughs> oh booze, and bottles. so they had so many bottles of <laughs> booze that like you needed someone there just to take the bottles from the security guard and put them in the garbage can, right, so I'm sitting there taking these things, unscrewing the bottles, dumping them out. About a half hour of this, I'm like, screw this shit. So I'm doing the fake unscrewing of the cap, setting the bottle in the garbage can, right? Mm -hmm. And I start doing that over and over, and then I swap out the garbage can. I take all those full bottles, I put them in my locker, and then I do what is probably the most irrational thing you would ever expect. I take this colossal box of booze, I go home and I give it to my dad. I'm like, hey, Dale, look at this. <laughs> and, and like, my, I don't know if I've ever seen my father more surprised. I'm a teenager with boxes, full bottles of the hard stuff, right? <laughs> so that was, he had a fully stocked liquor cabinet for at least five years, just bottles of stuff. So it was God, great times, true.
1: I remember that so much and people trying to sneak in booze.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially with the pricing. I mean, yeah. it pays for itself pretty yeah. quick.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. No doubt about it. Isn't that phenomenal? I, I just, I got about 7 billion stories running through my head about all these things. It's just, yeah. it's great. We need to get back to that. We need to get back to shaking hands with people backstage, going to see shows, going out to dinner.
3: Yeah.
1: They cannot continue the shelter-in-place much longer, I wouldn't think.
2: Well, as I said before, in practice, they're people are just kind of deciding on their own. Their yeah, cellular they, phone, mobile data, like they've decided they've had enough. Yep. And the centrally planned one size fits all approach does not work for no. our state. I no. recognize that it might work for parts of our state. Mm-hmm. And certainly this is a you know this is a horrible virus. But people need to understand two things at the same time. The first thing is, yes, it's horrible, but it's not as bad as we originally thought it was gonna be right so I'll true. tell you a quick story about a city called Albany Georgia it's in southwest Georgia mm-hmm. a guy a uh, w- city of about 75,000 people a guy went to a funeral there small church a lot of elderly people uh, afterwards went over to a like a th- small three-bedroom house everyone crammed in for a reception after the funeral turns out he was a asymptomatic carrier This small rural county they can trace back 60, six zero people who are dead this guy went to a funeral really right okay so that's one end of the spectrum the other end of the spectrum is we have you know the florida situation where some of the first cases were there they have a very high elderly population lots of migration huge population oh, yeah. counts it just hasn't blown up and it appears nope. and it appears that you know with most viruses ultraviolet light can it makes them mutate and die sooner yep. it just appears that if you avoid these dense experiences with lots of people in a room, you know, a dance club, a bar, right. that but you're probably gonna be okay. And if you get, like. and if you get infected, unless you're part of the at-risk population, there's gonna be exceptions. But it's not as bad as we thought. But trying to communicate that in a nuanced way just isn't. People struggle. I, I, with I
0: tell that. you, Pat, the thing that that. I was somewhat cavalier about it until about two or three weeks ago because I thought, okay, this makes sense, flatten the curve, we can empty the hospitals, get everybody ready, get all the gear we need, build respirators, it'll be cool. If you get sick, they'll be able to take care of you. And then I discovered that if they put you on a respirator, you get a 12% chance of of living. It's like, that's, ooh. Yeah, the respirator is a Hail Mary. Mary. I saw something yesterday. This is kind of funny to lighten it up a little bit. I, the whole mask thing, I get it in public places. It makes sense to me. I wear one personally when I go to the grocery store. But see, you see people driving around in cars with yeah, masks Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of And, weird. and I know, yesterday I, I saw know. a guy riding a Harley, no helmet and a mask. No helmet. There you go. <laughs> but he had a mask. Yeah. And, and it, was a, it wasn't, you know, like a bandana, like I'm a badass mask. It was one of the healthcare masks. And I thought, yeah. I think you need to reassess your risk Just, management yeah, scenario. Do well, not
1: know how, that's, how that's supposed to work? Well, it's yeah, to protect, other, to pr- people protect other people from you, right? Right. Well, you're, if you're going 60 miles an hour, they must be moving pretty damn quick to catch your spit.
0: Yep. Yeah. Or if you're in your own car and you have it on, it's like, what are you, good, who are you Hawkeye Pierce? I know. It's just ridiculous.
2: <laughs> no, but it's, uh, you know, it's so having people understand that aspect of it that, yes, this is very dangerous. It needs to be taken seriously. But, um, you know, we've been under this emergency authority now for eight weeks where one guy gets to pass laws on his own. Right. And, it's enough we need to start transitioning and having more people making the decisions regardless so of what they are not
0: to make this a partisan thing but are there democrats in the house and the senate that feel that way or is it more split than and i'm interested in the minnesota take on this because yeah. i think we have a history of it's way better than national politics i mean you guys for the most part seem to get along with each other and and get stuff done which i think as commoners we appreciate that but i'm curious as to what your take is
2: Currently. Well, I think that one of the consequences of the polarized environment is that when people disagree with their traditional political base, they're less likely to communicate it publicly. Yeah. So, the, so the conversations that many DFLers will, elected officials will have with you privately says a lot of the things I've said to you today where it's like, how do you explain to the small business owner – why they have to stay closed and but, but Walmart is jam packed why why are you big can't get in the parking lot right why is it that we have this regulatory structure in place right now where big businesses are just doing so well and the small businesses are just getting crushed yeah. and it's and it's really you know and that's a fine line right because you don't want if you're a democrat you want to tell the governor hey listen you got to stop trying to make all the decisions yourself you got to have more people involved <laughs> Uh, but at the same time frame, if you're a Democrat who publicly criticizes him, well, now you're opening yourself up to an attack from your your political left. Like, it's, no the, it's the same way some conservatives don't like criticizing Trump when he screws up, right? I mean, there's a there's almost like this level of infallibility that people uh, have with part in, partisan. But behind the scenes, I will tell you, there are numerous DFL legislators who understand that, yeah, the governor's got a good approval rating right now. But if you have people keep dying and the economy keeps cratering, at some point you have to be looking at not the intent but the effect of these policies and they're just not working.
1: And they're not working at all. There's no, no reason for it.
2: No. It's, a,
1: it's so funny about that. And I, and I kind of, in a way, I guess anticipated it, but I grew up in North Minneapolis on Plymouth Avenue. And they said you have to shelter in place, you have to wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. And I, I thought, well, you know, we'll see. I wore a mask for seven hours flying home because I promised my daughter and my wife that I'd do it. It's the only time I've had a mask on. I have an inner city thing in my head. <laughs> I can't do it. It's like, don't tell me what to do. I'm not wearing a mask, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not, I'm not doing any of those things you told me to do. And if you go over to my old neighborhood, they're all right on top of one another. Mm-hmm. They just—they will not follow. And I have a hard time, after all of
2: these years, following the rules. We just yeah. never did. And, Tom, you're, you're not the only one. You're an American. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're all Americans. That's very true. And so that's why it's fascinating. Places like Iowa, uh, North and South Dakota, they've never had a stay-at-home order. But they said, "Hey, it might be dangerous to go out." What did people do? They voluntarily chose to stay home. Yeah, it's yep. one of the reasons why down in Florida, even though there wasn't a stay-at-home order until much later, mm-hmm. senior citizens, uh, people in at-risk populations, took it upon themselves to take care of themselves. Right. That's what we do. And instead of you know waiting for the mother ship to send out the commands of how to behave, right. um, you know, and there's a there's a another component to this, and that is that people people don't feel like they're in control of their own lives anymore. And That's a,
1: exactly the feeling. Right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I can't do it because it's like you're not going to run my life, right? If I let you run my life, I'll end up in prison. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. And so, so when people, when people feel like they're not in control of their own lives. Right. So there's a level of despair, and there's problems that come from that.
0: Don't you miss the good old days when we were scared of the Mexicans? <laughs> <laughs> there's a simpler time. I did not
2: laugh at that. I'm offended by your
1: comments.
0: I'm scared of,
2: that's, why would you be scared
1: of Mexicans? The build-the-wall thing. Right? Oh, the build-the-wall wall. thing, yeah. I don't think yeah. they were scared of Mexicans. Uh, they should
2: that's be more it. afraid of Italians yeah. and I'm saying
1: <laughs> I'm Italian. So maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There
2: you go. God, what a world! But no, it's it's interesting, you know, where we're going here, going forward. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's so bad that I'm I'm staying up till midnight to watch Korean baseball. (laughs) Isn't that? Why do the Twins have to suck? I watch the LG (laughs) Twins, and they (laughs) suck.
1: What is that? Life is not good if you're a twin. Yeah, life's not good if you're a twin fan. <laughs> yeah,
2: the LG Twins. The LG
1: yeah. Twins and talk well, about watching a game the other night against some old lame-ass team they were playing. They were down like 19 to nothing or something. It's getting like, shelled, huh? They're getting
0: shelled. My team. You know, if you want to watch a cool baseball thing, I think I talked about this with Tim Lammers or Mike Beck or somebody, I think when Mike was on, mm-hmm. The Battered Bastards of Baseball. I think you can find it on Netflix. Yeah, you mentioned that. It's yeah. about... It's a documentary about um, Kurt Russell, who was a baseball player as a kid, yeah, and he his was, dad yeah. on the team. It was an independent oh, team. I remember that. It's it's really good. Jim Bouton did a stint on it. Right. Got, it's you watch it. It'll make you. It'll make you miss baseball a lot, but it's probably more interesting than watching Korean Pro well, Ball. it works for me. Tom
2: got me to look up how that pitcher died. This is it one of the worst ways to die? The, oh, yeah.
1: Fidrich? Yeah. Mark Fidrich? I did, I, had no idea. I didn't know about that either. Oh, the my God. Yeah. Kinda, kinda the wish PTO, I have known baby. Uh, <laughs> I know. I wish I hadn't known it. <laughs> I used to love watching Fidrich. My God, I loved watching him pitch.
2: So what was his story? What was the... He was just a goofball.
1: I mean, he just literally would... He would stand on the mound like this, and he talked to the ball like this. And he go, "Here's what we're gonna do." And he would literally talk to the ball, and then he would go like this. Hmm. <laughs> he started doing all this stuff, <laughs> and stri- <laughs> he. I think that the batters got so distracted, he just struck out everybody. Red <laughs>
0: Sox had so a dist- guy like that too, Bill Spaceman Lee. Yeah, that's right. yeah Bill Lee absolutely there. loved it.
2: My uh, my son told me the story about a guy who played a long time ago who like they said he was just a I forget his name, but it was like. He um, was so just totally dumb, but he was a great pitcher. I, I wish I could remember his name. Where, we like, just
0: named half of them. A lot, of, a lot like, of professional athletes are not well, very no, bright. <laughs> in the middle
2: of the game, he would run out the stadium to just go chase a train because he was so enamored with trains in the middle of the game. <laughs> and this guy was like really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wish I'll try to find his name and text it to you. But it was my my son told me the story. I'm like that's a that's an that old wives' tale, and he's like, "No, no, you got to look it up." And sure enough, this guy was just this phenomenal pitcher, but just dumber than a bag of rocks. It'll so happen. pretty, pretty fun. But yeah, I think so. Pat,
0: after the constituents in Farmington hear this podcast, and you're out of a job at the next election, what are you going <laughs> yeah, to do hook. next? The book? What's in the cards?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, I think uh, actually the things we've said here today are pretty much in alignment with the people I represent. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah the people. The you know there is a silent majority out there, and. They want the government to do the basic things, lock up the bad guys, educate the kids, you know, don't let my car fall into a six-foot pothole. They don't like it when yeah. government screws around and starts telling people what to do, and uh, they just want the government to stay off their back and out of their wallet, help them when they need it. But, you know, there's a difference between being supportive and being a nanny state, and there's just some people in our state that this they lean towards the nanny, and I just don't uh, – it's just not where i'm at and if people disagree with me well fine don't vote for me i don't care i mean there's yeah, there you
0: go well, I mean, Attitude.
2: hey there's there is freedom in just saying yeah well, you know well i guess i'll spend more time with my wife and kids if i don't get reelected
1: do you think that this case down in dallas where that son of a bitch judge put that woman in jail for seven days for opening her hair salon and the governor just I let her did. out yeah, the governor was, did let her out yeah. but OK, so you kicked out the rapists and the murderers out of jail because you were afraid they're going to get COVID-19, but you put a woman who's trying to feed her kids in jail to get COVID-19. I, what kind of thinking is that?
2: You know, there is a phenomenon out there where we have we are starting to pivot. And it used to be this was about public health, mm-hmm. right? And now you're seeing some, not all, but some decision makers pivot to we have to protect ourselves, the elite from the unwashed masses.
1: Couldn't agree more. That, like, that, Couldn't and, and, agree and that more. is an
2: absolute, this this level of elitism yep. and superiority, and you see it be in just, like little off stories like that that are manifesting yep. themselves. And again, this is a very dangerous virus. People, particularly if you're in an at-risk population, mm-hmm. you need to be cautious and take care of yourself. But that's a lot different than the nanny state telling you what you can and can't do. Right. It's a big difference.
0: Love it. Pat, our, sadly meal. our time's up i'm gonna thank uh, my friend long, amy, amy Zipko. i've known her for 30 years and I'm like amy i'm looking for some uh, some people on your side for the podcast and she goes pat graff would be perfect
2: yeah so. i had to do it she has photos of me from college and black man, <laughs> so, no. well i
0: knew her when she was a flaming lefty <laughs> oh really oh yeah oh boy yeah
2: would well, she meet somebody I always loved those
1: people.
0: Actually, you know what? She uh, uh, do you know what Tim Drugsman is? He was a state representative. Sure. Yeah. I he to, sold I cars to, for me, and he was the beginning of her political awakening. No kidding. And she went to work for Arnie Carlson. Oh. I, oh, did Arnie. Not,
2: I did not.
1: know that about Amy. Yep. that's interesting. Arnie was not very conservative, though. No,
0: but I mean it's and and Amy's not a, a, a far righty either. She, I mean she's a Republican. She believes in the GOP, but but that was that was her transition from. What will get us back to
1: being Democrats and Republicans? What do you think will do? I don't want the far right, and I don't want the far left. I like I like Democrats. I like Republicans. Can we get back there ever?
2: Oh gosh, I hope so, Tom. God, That's, it'd be wonderful. Know, it's uh, well, and again, the there's a difference between being a Republican and being a conservative. There's no doubt about it. There's a total difference. <coughs> yeah. I, I I they used to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now they've become very different. And so on some issues, um, you know, when it comes to personal responsibility around like legalizing marijuana uh personal freedoms and individual liberties i would label those as conservative issues mm-hmm. not republican issues right. and especially when it comes to in washington and we could talk about this for an hour i get myself in trouble but you know obviously it's a um, it's a big difference but we're gonna um i suspect we're gonna be in a radically different place than we are right now in one year it'll be a very very different political dynamic. is it a good thing well, that remains to be seen. It's either going to be horrible or wonderful. Well, no, but I mean, I just I think you look at the fiscally irresponsible behavior of Washington. I know. Where, I My mean, God. Th- this is not partisan, this is math. Mm-hmm. At some point here, the bond market's going to impose discipline on Congress. Yep. And, you know, there's a lesson to be learned from this, and that is that when the economy's raging and things are going good before this all started, probably shouldn't be running trillion dollar deficits at the federal level
0: no that's i'm i tend to be left to center but i'm very fiscally conservative in the last, i I understood spending our way out of the recession i was somewhat encouraged that the deficits were on their way down but but you're right i mean we give big tax breaks and then blow up the the, the, it's just
2: no i mean we got we have to get back to a world was like the 1990s where the republicans they won't let the Republicans won't let the Democrats spend money, and the Democrats won't let Republicans cut taxes, and the economy just grew, and we yep. ended up with a surplus. Wonderful. And, and that's uh, that's not a very partisan comment, and there's a lot of nuance in it, but there's kind of a pathway for that for Minnesota where. You know, after the next election, you do not want one party in total control of the oh, state. Oh God, no! Oh no, no! no. And I, and I'll say this: the only thing that scares me more than the Democrats having total control of Minnesota would probably be Republicans having total control of Minnesota. Oh, <laughs> well,
0: there you go. But
2: we just we do not want to go back to the Democrats in total control. That would be. Uh, we'll
0: be hiring here in about another sixty days, so when you're looking for a gig, call me up. <laughs> Hey, just you get what you pay for. I just try to, yeah.
2: there's, there's value in not giving a fuck. Yeah, right.
1: so, there you go. It was exactly.
0: great having you on. Thanks it was for having what you a great again. show.
2: Let's do this again sometime. I we really will. enjoyed
1: this. No kidding. Good to have you on the KQ Morning Show too. Yeah. It's only not, ten minutes. He's not kidding. And you can't oh. say. And you can't say fuck you.
2: <laughs> the benefits of a podcast. <laughs> we are out. Hey, thanks. <laughs>